0: Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitors' unique product, LegalGuard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, LegalGuard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk forward slash legalguard and quote the code for You're listening to Johnson and Boone Solicitors Podcast exclusively on the Pod Station.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Johnson & Boone podcast. My name is Mark. Joining me this week is another member of the team. We're just cracking through them like there's no tomorrow. Uh, Gina Stanton is back with us to talk about all things death. Um... <laughs>
2: Hello, Mark. Lovely, <laughs> cheerful subject we're going to discuss today. <laughs> yeah, it's it. We're, we're going to be looking
1: at probate, I think, today, aren't we? I, I, I guess before we get into the nitty-gritty of it, that probate, by probate what do we mean? Yeah,
2: well... well um... I suppose generally, what people mean when they're talking about probate um, is um, sorting out somebody's affairs after they've passed away. You know, so what it really boils down to is is um, is what you've got to do for you know for your loved one to put all of their affairs in order um, and pass their um, pass what they've got on to the next generation or to you know the the people that they meant to leave it to. Um, And there's a whole legal process surrounding that. A lot of it you can do yourself. Some of it can get a little bit complicated where you need a bit of help. Um, Yeah, so so that's it in a nutshell, really.
1: So it's going to be a flyby version of probate because, of course, as with anything, uh, particularly in the legal sector, you, you can get boiled down into minutiae of things and be here till yeah. till Christmas, quite literally.
2: Oh, absolutely. It, I mean, the nerdy definition, really, of probate, you know, that all that is, is a, um, sort of a document that you're given as part of the process of putting someone's affairs in order Um by a government department that's called the Probate Registry, you know, or the Probate Service in modern, in today's money, I think, <laughs> and it's and it's called your Grant of Probate. But if you've got a will, uh, if you haven't got one, then it's your Grant of Administration. It's two different names do exactly the same thing. It's what it's what gives you as the the, the executor or the the next of kin the legal right to handle the person who's passed away their affairs basically and their finances you know um so, so that's the nerdy bit but the more general bit is that overall job really i think of, uh, of sorting out somebody's stuff after they've died really
1: fab so just before we get uh, boiled down into that we uh, if you do want to uh, know more about uh, Johnson and Boone, you can check them out on uh, johnsonandboone.co.uk, the website. If you want to listen to some of the previous episodes, so this is the second one that Jean has done. The first one very much entailed about why, why you need to have a will. Um, and so if you want to check that episode out or any of the previous episodes, each week we, we pick a topic in a sector that Johnson and Boone have an expertise in so they can give you some tips and to help you along the way if that seems to be something that will apply to you. Uh, So you can check um, the previous shows out on the website. There's a podcast tab. You'll also find uh, within that section, links to all the major podcast platforms where you can get the show. So uh, that's Google, Apple, Spotify. If you subscribe, it means that every time the latest episode drops, it automatically downloads onto the device that you use to listen to. Uh, Johnson Boone also have a mobile app which is free to download both on Apple and Android and you can listen to the show on there as well so all the episodes are automatically available so you don't even need to download or subscribe you just press play and it off it pops and there's a whole host of other things uh, other benefits you can get from the app so if you want to book an appointment with Gina you can do so through the app it's dead easy in addition to the usual means which are obviously the email uh, and the telephone numbers, which you can see in the show notes. So, uh, Gina, with all that in mind, uh, let's get stuck in and roll our sleeves up. So you've given us a rough idea of of, of probate, and you've sort yeah. of mentioned affairs and estates. What what do we mean by that when, when we're saying mm-hmm. we're going to be looking after somebody's affairs? What's usually clumped into that definition?
2: Yeah, so, so it generally falls into a few different categories. Um most obvious one is... Um, their main asset you know their home really um particularly if um they've left their home vacant and it's now going to be going on the market you know what what you'll sometimes find is that you've got a couple and and one of them has passed away leaving a widowed spouse you know so so that it can be less relevant in those circumstances you know um It can also involve other properties that they own, if they've got a bit of buy-to-let or a holiday home or something like that. It can include their business interests if they happen to have been running a family business at the time of their demise. Um, It also includes things like savings, investments, ISAs, and that sort of stuff. Um, Crucially, it can include your life insurance if you don't do anything about it. So that is something that you kind of need to get a little bit of uh, help from a financial advisor about because um, if you've got very, very generous life insurance and you haven't done anything to protect it, that can form part of your estate. And if it's hundreds of thousands of pounds, there can be taxes attached to that. But all you've got to do is fill in a very simple form to make sure that it's not part of your estate and then there's no tax implications. So that might be worth thinking about. Um, One thing that definitely isn't part of your estate is your pension, your works pension or your private pension. Um, Any capital that's left over in your pension now um, can be passed on if you've got a private pension to the next generation or to your chosen beneficiaries, but that's outside this whole process because your pension is actually a trust fund in the eyes of the law, um, and so it doesn't form part of officially what your assets are on your debt, you know. Um, so, so yeah, it, it includes a, a myriad of things, uh, really, um, and, and some things that are, are not included that you would have thought were included, really, you know
1: now uh, this is going to be a leading question uh, of course yeah. uh, if people had listened to the previous episode mm-hmm. then they will immediately understand the link between the first episode and indeed this episode uh, those who haven't uh, are well worth checking mm-hmm. it out how do we decide how somebody's affairs are dealt with in the probate process
2: okay uh, well it, it, it tends to boil down to a couple of things what they've got, you know, what they've left behind, how complicated and large their overall net worth is, you know, Um, and also whether they've left a will or not. Um, So, uh, to boil it down, if you have certain assets such as lands and buildings or if you've got balances in your bank that are over a certain level i think typically it's twenty-five thousand pounds for most banks uh, or if you hold shares even like a few hundred quid's worth of shares in bp or something you know all of these things that are, are um, all of these assets are things that are going to require a formal grant of either probate or administration for them to be able to pass um from the, the deceased person's um ownership into you know the next generation kind of thing um There are things that don't need to, so small balances, personal belongings, um, stuff like that uh, you don't need to worry about. You you can get away with not following the formalities. You can just submit the person's death certificate to any organisations that you're in touch with um, about about the person who's passed away. Um, But the main assets that you need, the more official um, kind of process with, are land, shares, large amounts in the bank. Um, and what it means whether you've got a will or not is that if you've got to get one of these grants you have to um, first of all you have to declare what the person had Um, so you have to fill in a form at its at its simplest it's an eight-page summary of what that person uh, had um, and so of what their assets were what their liabilities are and also you if you're the executor of their will you have to uh, file a statement uh, declaring what the person left and promising that you're going to um, administer that person's estate according to the law um, and follow all the rules and that kind of thing. Um, So if you've got certain assets and you've got a will, you're applying for a grant of probate by filling in this thing that's called the return of estate information with your statement. Um, If the person didn't leave a will, it's pretty much the same process, it's just that you're finding a slightly different statement, you still have to declare what assets they had. Um, When you're declaring what their assets are, if they had a large estate um, that goes over the inheritance tax liability, um, a simple sort of summary of what they had isn't enough and you're going to be made to fill in a much more comprehensive inheritance tax return, which is kind of 16 pages in length, but then there's a separate form for every class of asset that that person left behind and that's when it starts to get you know a real sort of four paracetamol problem really you know um so it 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 depends how much the person had whether they had a will or not and how complicated their estate were uh that that then says what you're going to have to do about it really and how complicated the job's going to be for you
1: so in terms of people having a will uh it's quite important that you get some structure or some understanding or something in place that sets out what your estate is, where it is, what it is, how much it is, so that the family and the people who you love most in the world, who you ultimately want to enjoy the benefits of your hard work and what you've achieved in life, but who are at the same time trying to get over the loss of someone they deeply love. You don't really want them to have to be wading through masses of paperwork and doing deep delve private investigator style investigations to try and figure out where everything is and what everything is um and this can all be done sort of in advance to to streamline the process a bit more so it becomes I presume a more of a a form-filling exercise rather than a a, and a full investigation
2: yeah absolutely and and what I do sort of talk about with people when they're thinking about the future and they're sort of making their will and tidying up their estate and all that kind of stuff is just the, the basic politenesses that they might want to observe at that time. You know, um, just making a list of what assets they have, um, the, the banks that they hold money in, uh, what shares they have, all the re- relevant reference numbers, sort codes, account numbers, all that sort of stuff, and just having it in a file with their will. Another big thing that, that in you know, currently in in today's very internet-based culture that we live in is your cyber legacy as much as anything because a lot of your life is lived online um so a lot of your financial life as well is transacted online so you'll have quite a lot of passwords and usernames and that kind of thing to do with your bank to do with your share registries all that sort of stuff as well as you know things like shutting down your facebook and all that, you know, the, all those kinds of things to consider as well. So I recommend um, that people sit down and think about all the things that they do online, you know, business related things online that they, that they would want shutting down kind of thing or, or, or dealing with in the event of their death and just having a second list going, okay, these are the, these are the passwords and all that. It's not something you bandy about. You keep it somewhere, you know, secret and make sure that your executor knows where it is in the same place where they keep their will. But that will make your family's um, job an awful lot easier to perform you know what I sometimes come across um, uh, families who um, have had a a member uh, a member of their family pass away um, who maybe was a little bit centric And they've got a house full of hoarded belongings. And then there's a room full of great piles of documents and stuff. And and I've, uh, you know, the number of hollow-eyed, exhausted nephews, nieces, daughters, sons that I've sat with. They've gone, I've just spent the last six months wading through this person's house kind of thing, you know. And of course, nobody ever wants to put... The next generation through that kind of thing so so yeah it's just basic manners isn't it to to, to have a sort of a user guide to, to 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 your assets and your net worth so that so it's easy for the people who've got to deal with it after you're gone i guess you know
1: this will be probably a show in itself um but we'll <laughs> we'll get to it in a second um In addition to if you haven't got your estate in a nice tidy order and done all of those things that you've suggested, of Mm -hmm. course, there is the additional thing which you alluded to just a moment ago, which is, of course, the will. And if you Mm -hmm. don't have a will, uh, there is no specific instructions as to how all of those things that you've just mentioned will be divided out amongst your family or your friends or your your business associates, your chosen charities, etc., Um, I presume this causes an even greater issue um, insofar Uh, as you've got to then figure out how how do you decide who gets what?
2: Oh, well, there are very clear rules about that. You know, that there's there's a whole pecking order of relatives. It starts with whether a person was married. Uh, If they were married, then front of the queue is their spouse. Um, if there were children, um, there's usually a sort of a division of assets between their spouse and how much money there was. The spouse gets the first 250,000 pounds of somebody's assets plus half of any surplus, and then which they which their kids then get the balance, you know? Um, but if a person has died without a spouse, but has children, it goes directly to their children. If they've died childless, and then it's to their husband or wife. If they were a single childless person, then it's gonna go to their mum and dad, uh, failing that to their brothers and sisters, failing that to their aunties and uncles or to their first cousins and, and on and on it goes to a certain point. And then when you run out of relatives within this kind of ring that these rules um, allow, then actually the, the, the default uh, person that will inherit from you is, um, is HM government, actually. And they've got this fantastic department called the, the Bona Vacantia department um, that, that will say, oh, yes, thank you very much. We'll have all this. Um, and, uh, and they will, (laughs) that they will supervise very beadily, um, Everything that you do in in sorting out this person's affairs to make sure that every penny comes back in, you know, to the treasury kind of thing. I've not, I've not had cause to do it many times over my career, but the, but when I have seen it, it's uh, it's not been the pleasantest thing. Let's put it that way, you know. So yeah, I mean, definitely making will is something that is going to enable you to control who you're leaving your estate to, and it's an opportunity, obviously, to um, think ahead to beyond. Your lifetime and what may go wrong um, in the future for your children or for your surviving spouse, and and how you can address those those issues by um, planning ahead with the proper will. And then the probate process uh, puts into effect what you've said in your will. Um, classic example really is with a couple whose main asset is their house, and what they don't want to end up doing is having their is having their house used up in its entirety by the council to pay for Care fees. Um, if one of them goes into a care home after they've been widowed, you know, um, and so classic thing is is what they do is they say, right, I'm going to leave you um, the right to live in my share of the house, but I'm actually leaving ownership of that share to the kids, so that then, if they're the first to go, their surviving spouse can only have their half of the house took off them by Wilbur Council or whatever it is to me. Um, now. Once that, if that happens, then on the first death, you have to actually put that provision into effect. You've got to apply for a grant of probate and then you've actually got to update the deeds at the land registry to make sure that half of the house still belongs to the surviving spouse, but that half that belongs to the person that's just passed away passes on to the kids so that, you know, that, that half is well out of the council's reach. So that, that's one of the, the most frequent things um, that, that, that needs to be, dealt with in a in, in lot of families in, in our area, you know, locally here, really, I would say. Um, so, yeah, it is all about just getting that, uh, those instructions in that will, you know, put into effect, really.
1: I, I mean, it's quite horrifying just the thought that HMRC or that yeah. the Her Majesty something or other, <laughs> whatever the department <laughs> was, um, yeah. get, get, get your hard-earned... Mm-hmm. Uh, belongings (laughs) because there's nobody else done it is a huge amount of money each year as well isn't it you're talking hundreds of millions of pounds that they they accumulate
2: yes Yes. i'm not up to date with the the current figures but but yes it's quite staggering um i think i wrote a a, a post about it on my blog year before last and the figures were quite eye-watering at the time as i recall you know um i think probably the main thing that that um does upset people a lot straight after a bereavement is knowing or finding out um, that they've got an inheritance tax bill to pay because it's got to be paid um, within effectively six months of the death. And that's a lot to be handling straight after you've lost someone, you know. And it's an awful lot of red tape. To wade through as well during that six month period, you know so many forms to fill in and um, it's half a day's work for me as a you know a, a an ancient and overly experienced lawyer and if somebody was doing it for the first time, my God, I can imagine it would take a week basically you know because there's so much stuff that you've got to learn from scratch page after page of it so um uh, so yeah there there are a lot there are a lot of potential things that that can really wreck your
1: head um i mean that i guess that would be compounded by the fact that if you didn't have a will and the intestacy rules apply and mm-hmm. therefore your estate is being divided up in a way which perhaps mm-hmm. might not have been how you would have wanted to do as you say yeah. there is a pecking order and perhaps that pecking yeah. order wasn't the order that you wanted okay. so obviously yeah. people who generally lose out are people unmarried couples or yeah. Uh, children who aren't your natural children so they might be step kids those all those people might lose out because they don't fall into those Mm -hmm. those rules they don't come into that pecking order and ironically they might be the people if they are the people who are closest to you they might be the people who are having to sort all this out and pick up all Mm -hmm. the pieces and not Mm -hmm. actually been getting either any or a, a fraction of the benefits that you probably would have wanted yeah, had you had a will? Oh,
2: absolutely. You know, I, th- I think we do tend to make an awful lot of assumptions and feel comfortable about them, thinking, "Oh, yeah, well, I know exactly what's going to happen in my life," and, and you just assume that stuff is going to follow through because this is a, a reasonable country and all that kind of stuff. But what people don't realise is that is that British law is a, is you know more than a thousand years in the making. It's kind of been a process of evolution, and there are so many kinks and quirks in there that you don't commonly know about. Um, and so the potential for unintended consequences of your inaction or wrong action uh, is vast. Um, so I think there's two points to make really: thinking ahead for yourself in terms of uh, how you expect your what you've got to be inherited, what you have uh, to be inherited. How you expect that to happen? Well, don't just assume it's going to happen the way you think. Get some proper advice and get it down in, on paper in a will. It doesn't need to be complicated, but you'll be glad you did it or your family will be glad you did it. And then the other thing really to consider for your family, I often hear um, bere- uh, bereaved families saying, oh, how hard can it be? It's just a few forms. And then six months down the line coming to me going, well, I, I thought it was going to be easy. It was fine when I did me Auntie Mabel's and this one from my dad is an absolute nightmare. And that happens again. And, and, and also you get an awful lot of arguing and, and fighting and stuff like that. So, so what I always think is money well spent is to sit down for half an hour or an hour with a solicitor who does this kind of stuff just to go, right, okay just tell me where I stand and what I've got to do and where the pitfalls are and that kind of stuff. Most lawyers will give you that, you know, we'll, we'll we'll spend that time, give you that advice um, so that you know, so that you can make a decision whether to do it yourself and how to get it right kind of thing. But um, also obviously uh, it's more often than not, probably more trouble than it's worth to do it yourself. And instead to just farm it out to somebody who does it every day, does it very easily, you know, um, and can just get it done efficiently, um, rather than you sort of nibbling away at it for months and and kind of just getting ever more frustrated at going round and round in circles, and stuff like that, you know. Um, so, so yeah, well placed, timely support at the very minimum is is pays dividends. Um, so so you know, if you do nothing else, just get a bit of guidance at each of those crucial junctures, I would say. And then you can decide from there whether to take it further, I guess, you know?
1: We're all fascinated by drama in this country. Um, Yeah. How how common is it that you get these arguments and Mm -hmm. family friction either Mm -hmm. because there's a will or because Mm -hmm. there isn't a will?
2: Um, It is pretty common and it's very sad Um. And it tends to be, do you know what What I have learned over the years of seeing all this stuff is that uh, bereavement and the early stages of bereavement brings out the very worst in people. You know, um, you're very touchy when you've just been bereaved. So you'll take offense at the slightest thing, but also because your head's wrecked by your bereavement, you're not as tactful and on top of your game with your communication skills either and the people around you are very touchy as well because their skin is about a millimeter thick because they've gone through the same thing and so you see people that were formerly very close absolutely dagger drawn you know things will go from naught to 60 in just seconds and before you know it they're you know they're brawling on the street practically certainly the british version is you know barely on speaking terms and never and, and maybe never speaking to each other again and lots and lots of passive aggressive stuff about mm, he, he robbed me of my inheritance and all that sort of stuff um, so there's that whole side of, of just it's a very very difficult time for family relationships a bereavement in my opinion but i think the the other thing is our terrible reticence and failure to be open about things during our lifetimes people are Rubbish at talking with their kids, their grown-up kids, about what they what they they intend to do about their estate, how they what decisions they intend to make. You know, Um, I don't know whether it's because they're afraid of causing trouble or they they're just a bit queasy about death being a taboo subject and all of that. Um, So my clarion call with with people in midlife, with parents that are getting older is always look encourage your mum and dad to talk about these things and you know i know it's not exactly the most pleasant dinner party conversation but it pays dividends for all of you all your siblings and everybody to sit around with your mum and dad and go let's talk about the future and i mean look inheritance and inheritance tax and all that which yes sounds mercenary but it's helpful for mum and dad to be able to talk it through and and you know let me talk directly to the mums and dads as well you being able to say look kids this is what I, I want to do and just giving the kids an opportunity to air their views about it it just helps because if people find out something by surprise the day after your funeral that is a powder keg you know and so it's those two combinations that I see people finding out after the event that their parent or their their relative has made a decision that that they weren't expecting um right at the time when they weren't at their best themselves you know and what they'll always do is blame the other person blame their sibling blame their co-beneficiary or whatever and before you know it it's four years down the line and they're they're at trial together i've seen that time and time again and it's and it's the same old story played out Over and over again, and none of us are immune to it. You know, personally, I've seen it in my family, Um, and and you you know everybody will be able to say either their family or somebody somebody they know has gone through it. So yes, it's it's horribly common, sadly.
1: And I suppose one of the other circumstances, which is probably relatively common, certainly if there is the likes of the family frictions Mm -hmm. you're talking about, is the legitimacy of the wills themselves. In yeah. the last episode, we talked about sort of the DIY wills and the pitfalls that go with them. Um, yeah. This is probably a very good example of yeah. why it is all the more important that it's definitely it's done properly. It contains yeah. all the right stuff. Um, that it's been mm-hmm. signed properly, witnessed properly. It's been. Mm-hmm registered everything has been done by the book because of course yeah. as you say if there is any frictions if emotions are running high just because they've yeah. lost someone they love um these mm. kind of things will become all the more poignant won't they
2: absolutely and it's these little mistakes in wills that that will be seized upon as ammunition <laughs> you know in this ongoing dispute um I, I i see it all the time wills going missing uh either you know, accidentally or on purpose. And I'm not saying nothing and I'm not pointing no no fingers at nobody, but I've seen it happen. Um, Wills that people have done by themselves um, thinking, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing because they've done all their research and Dr. Google told them what to do, but then they haven't dated it. Um, They they, they might have two witnesses, but they haven't said who the people's names are. Um, Oh, and they've made handwritten amendments after they've signed it. You know, it's crazy things like that. Well, that I think is crazy, obviously, because I see it every day and I know that it's a massive howler, But But any normal person would just think it's perfectly okay and what the hell's wrong with that? But all those things are fatal, you know. Um, and, and so it's just these little things that can come up and, and, and just wreck all your plans. Just for, for the lack of a little bit of of help, you know, Getting getting it 90% right isn't enough it's a very all-honor thing thing i think as far as your will is concerned you know um but yeah i mean obviously once you're dead you're dead and, and they've got to deal with the situation that they're in whether there's a will or not or whether the will is correct or not um there are certain things that have to be gone through and there are certain people that are going to have to go through that um and either it's, to, it's either the executor of the will if there is a will there a valid will or it's the next of kin um which may be somebody who's either not well or poorly or or too old or, you know, can't cope with this kind of thing. And and so, again, uh, that opportunity to be able to say, well, who's the most reliable and trustworthy person in my circle? Right, I'm going to have that person (laughs) to to, to sort stuff out rather than it being, you know, your your crazy younger sibling (laughs) who doesn't know. They're, they're, you know, they're right from their left or whatever, purely by chance. You, you don't want that sort of stuff happening either. So, yes, control at the point of making your plans and actually bothering to make a plan in the first place uh, will make it an awful lot easier for what you wanted to just happen afterwards, really, and will will certainly reduce the, 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 the opportunity for friction and litigation um, and will mean that your estate is... Um, administered and distributed more efficiently and more tidily and more neatly
1: you mentioned executors and 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 administrators um for the benefit of the people listening do you want to just explain who those people are and what their role is in this process
2: yeah same job two job titles basically so the executor is the person who deals with your um with your estate, with your assets after your death, if you've left a will and you've named them in your will. Um, If you haven't, it's your administrator who is your next of kin and the person who is actually going to inherit from you according to this pecking order that I mentioned previously. You know, and it is a little bit by chance as well, really, isn't it? Accident of birth, really. I suppose.
1: So the executor allows you to appoint someone who might be a bit more suitable for that task. If you've got a particularly yeah. sensible yeah. sibling, or it, it, c- right. it can be anyone really, can't it? It can be your solicitor yeah. or your financial yeah. advisor. It, it just yeah. might be somebody who's better placed and yeah. more organised. What you don't want is the least organised, least responsible lunatic. In your family, being left with the yeah. responsibility of doing something like this, because the yeah, chances you know, are they'll do it badly. Yeah,
2: there yeah, for that to be del- you know, for that to fall into somebody's lap by default when they they don't really have just the common sense and the uh, you know and, and, and just the basic life skills at the very minimum um, to, to make a start uh, is it, a bit uh, is a bit of a problem, really. Um, so so to be able to, to to be able to write your will and say right who would I want to look after my um my affairs in the events of my death that's who I'm going to name as my executor because I know I can rely on that person or those people but more, more often than not married couples will name each other and their grown-up kids or you know the two most competent of their of their brood of kids and that kind of stuff you know um people in a second marriage what you often see is is husband nominates his eldest and wife nominates hers you know that's that for some reason is a very common thing um so it's often down to family politics as well i think but yes lots of people will nominate their accountant or their solicitor uh, the reason why that is done often it's either because it's complicated you know somebody's got a business or a buy to let portfolio that's a lot of donkey work to deal with um in the event of their death or because they've got kids who um are, are already you know at loggerheads and 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 constantly competing with one another and saying, well, he's had more than me and, oh, you treat her nicer than I, you know, all that kind of stuff. You do get parents just going, I've had enough of this, right. I'm just going to make it completely neutral and I'm going to employ... my local solicitor to do that you know and we've done that at johnson and boone quite a few times with warring kids you know that, that that mum or dad has come along and gone i've had enough for these kids i want you to be my executor so that you can knock their heads together when the time comes you can see what i've said in my will leaving it to them in equal shares so you can just tell them to shut up and get on with it uh, I, those are instructions i receive all the time
1: <laughs> and always a terrible question to ask but i'm going to ask it anyway how long do these things normally take
2: Okay, simple, perfectly simple case. You know, the easiest one that you'll do is that you do a little um, summary of the estate and your little statement and you uh, pay your little fee. It's about 150 quid and um, it's submitted to the probate office. Now, it'll take, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks to a month to get all that, get to that point of making the application. And then you put it into the probate office currently, probate even during the pandemic lockdown are saying that they are turning stuff around on average within eight working weeks okay um, there has been times when it's been three four six months because they had a, a massive um sort of computer meltdown last year that made the entire service collapse around them that was fun um prior to all of this going wrong and prior to the lockdown um they were um they were turning things around in ten working days. And so I'm praying for the return to those golden times when I could put in an application and have it back within a fortnight, which is fabulous, you know? Um so so yeah, getting your getting your grant back, you'll probably get it back within a couple of months, you know. Then um if all you've got to do is update the deeds on a house, then you've got to you know put together the legal documents for that which yeah another week or two really to get all that in place off to the land registry they typically have turned things around within a month before now it's all gone a bit more unpredictable lately um again because half the civil service is working from home or on furlough which is just you know it's all gone out the window so so an easy simple straightforward case with just a grant of probate and a bit of updating the deeds yeah, maybe three months and it's all sorted, you know, and you're talking about maybe three or four hours worth of solicitor's work for that. Um, so it's it's pretty economical as well um, in terms of getting it done. Um, but then it's up from there, because if it's an estate that's got lots and lots and lots of different assets and liabilities, all of which needs tidying up. And caching, you know, and then you've got lots of gifts to distribute and lots of people to put things through uh, to, to to share out the residue with and all that kind of stuff. It can take a year, easy. Um, and of course, if there's a if there's a great big dispute going on and um, that th- you've got to wait for a decision from the court on this issue or that issue, um, then yeah, you can get so far. And then you've got to down tools and wait for the court to decide um, on whatever people are fighting over. So i've seen i've seen cases where the person has died in 2014 um the, the dispute blows up goes to trial in 2018 2019 and everybody then well there's only 50 pence left in the estate by that point because obviously they've, they've spent it all on fighting but that 50 pence doesn't get distributed until 2019 2020 so that's that 5 6 years down the line <laughs> so that's worst case scenario um Typically, you can expect six to twelve months. I think for a, for a reasonably substantial case, and um, a, a simple little case where all you want is a grant and the updating of the deeds in and out in three months. Really, I, I would you can reasonably expect. I would say really.
1: You mentioned if the estate is worth over a certain amount, there is a tax bill to have to pay. Mm. Um, I suppose there's two parts to this question. The first is, what is that threshold at the minute? And part two of that question is, you said it had to be paid sort of within six months of the death. What happens Mm. if the estate hasn't yet been finalised, if they haven't finished doing everything and that six months comes about?
2: Well, it's a double-edged sword, actually, because this, this tax has got to be paid before you can actually apply for probate. So it kind of sounds almost as though you've got to magic up the money out of nowhere because you need probate in order to get access to the bank, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So that can be a bit of a nightmare. Um, but yes, to take you back to the beginning, um, the basic allowance that everybody has um, as far as inheritance tax is concerned is 325000 So... Any individual can leave three hundred and twenty five thousand pounds worth of assets in, in their behind them after they 've died um, without incurring any inheritance tax problems at all and if they're a married couple they can actually squash that together and kind of pass those that their allowances backwards and forwards between each other to make it one lump of 650,000 which is ample for a lot of people you know now that allowance that 3, 325 or 650 can be offset against any of your assets whatever they may be whether it's your buy to let property or your house or your savings or whatever you know now then there's this other little bonus um allowance that's been Phased in for the last few years and is now fully in operation. And that's called your main residence um, allowance. And that now is um, you can have up to one hundred and seventy-five thousand pounds per person, so three and three hundred and fifty thousand between you as a couple. Um, but it can only be offset against the value of your house, and it's capped at the value of your house. So if you've got a two hundred thousand pound house, that's all the main residence allowance you're getting. You know, um, and you can only have it if you're leaving your house directly to your descendants, you know, to your kids, to your stepkids, to your adopted kids, to your grandkids, that kind of thing, you know. So aunties and uncles can't leave it to their nephews and nieces and get the allowance and all that sort of stuff. Um, godparents can't, uh, whatever. Um, so, and, and where it can sort of catch you out is if, say, your mum and dad if you're in the, it's a nice problem to have. But if your mum and dad have left, say, eight hundred thousand pounds worth of savings, um, and they've got a, a property that's worth, I don't know, say, two hundred and fifty thousand, you know, um, then you might think, oh well, I've only, uh, you know, I've got this total of allowances of a million quid, six fifty plus plus. Um, plus 350 makes a million, does it? So, oh, lovely, I've only got to pay inheritance tax on 50 grand. But no, it's not like that, you see, because you can only use your main allowance on, uh, so you can use your main allowance on anything, including the savings, but you can only use whatever your family, whatever your your family home is worth for the second allowance. So If you've got a 200,000 pound house and and, and, and 850,000 pounds worth of savings, then at that point, you've actually only got uh you, 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 you've only you've only got something like nine hundred thousand pounds or nine fifty something like that of uh, let me get that right you've got you eight hundred and fifty thousand pounds worth of allowances altogether um and so you know you, you you're completely stuck actually because um, you haven't got your full million at all. Um, so, so so that can catch people out. But what happens is, is that if you've got assets that exceed the allowances that are available to you, then that surplus over and above your allowances um, is taxed at 40%. Um, so if you're £100,000 over your allowances, then the inheritance tax to be forty grand. basically. That, that, that's how it works, yeah. Um, now, yes, i said to you that it's got to be paid before you can apply for probate, and it's got to be paid... By the end of the sixth month after the month of your death, basically. So, if you if you die on the fifteenth of January, your inheritance tax is payable on the thirtieth of July. You know, thirty first of July rather. Um, now, the thing about that is is if there's money in the bank that will discharge it, then there is a facility with the um, with the Inland Revenue where you can give them authority to just deduct. The tax directly from the deceased person's bank account so that saves you casting around um, for sources of cash to, to distribute the inheritance uh, to, to discharge the inheritance tax the other thing is, is that if it's all tied up in land however much of the estate is attributable to land you know um however much of that um the value of the estate and therefore the the proportion of the inheritance tax is attributable to land can be paid over up to ten years, albeit with interest. So, so there are sort of so the initial blow is quite hard, but but there are ways of softening it that the government offer you. Basically, you don't always have to be in a situation where you have to go cap in hand for a bridging loan or something like that. Uh, I mean, again, you know, lovely problem to have if, if you're inheriting assets in excess of a million quid. Well. <laughs> good for you well you it know, is heart,
1: I, I, I guess the problem the, <laughs> yeah. the problem you highlighted nicely there and perhaps bridging loans is a good example of yeah. you, you know
2: yeah
1: it's ironic that if you are if you aren't a wealthy person and yeah. you are potentially about to inherit a large amount of money which ironically yeah. will make you wealthy but you can't yeah. get it because you haven't got the money to pay the tax bill that yeah, absolutely. Actually, should yeah. be coming from the money that you're gonna get, but you can't get, and it's like that chicken it, and the egg, it. isn't it? Really, yeah, this um, is
2: circular logic that, that that starts to freak people out. So, so again, if you find yourself in that situation, what I would always say to anybody is if if they have if they um, are potentially in charge of a very large estate where there's inheritance tax to be paid and and so that you know they're coming into a large inheritance what i would say is that it's it's an ever more complicated task to sort it out and it's one of those things where um it's it's less and less advisable to do it by yourself that that to, to just farm that out to have it done by people who know what they're doing and will do it properly um, and and won't and won't be driven mad by the the sheer Byzantine complexity of the red tape that's got to be hacked through. You know um, that 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 definitely pays dividends. So so yeah, if you if you've got an estate that's gonna that on your hands that that's going to attract inheritance tax, don't even bother doing it yourself. It's really not worth your efforts. Just just get somebody else to do it for you. You're going to be able to afford it, basically, because you're going to come into it to, to an okay inheritance. You won't be left short, and, and what you spend in legal fees will be the tiniest fraction of what you're about to what you're about to come into. But it will be money so well spent; you'll you'll, you'll be so glad that you Presumably did
1: Presumably, there's a risk that things that probably shouldn't fall within the inheritance tax criteria mm-hmm. might be captured by it if you haven't got the expert oh, yeah. advice that goes with it i suspect oh, hmrc yeah. aren't overly keen to point out things that don't apply um yeah. if, if they can yeah, throw it not. in the mix they're going to do that so you do need that guidance to make sure that you're not totally. getting uh, misled I, 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 yeah. are you for legal purposes of course uh, when I yeah. say misled, I'm not saying there's any deliberate intentions on no. the part of HMRC, but if it's not their job yeah. to point you in the direction but, of things, yes,
2: it's not their job to to, to 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 put money back in your pocket. You know, if you accidentally pay them ten grand more than you should have, well, thanks very much is what they're going to say. You know, and they're not going to say, "Oh, do you want your ten grand back?" Because that's not their job to do it. You know, but I suppose the trick is to be in a position where you haven't paid that 10 grand in the first place. And, and and that's another reason why you need to get some, some experience advice because there are that many allowances and exemptions and things that people don't know about in the ordinary course of events, that obviously solicitors and accountants are supposed to know about because it's their job to. Um, so, so again, you know, get that sorted really, just get some advice and make sure you're doing it right. And also there are things that you may have to declare that you didn't realize. That you needed to, that your solicitor will point out to you and say, right, you need to declare this. You know, so I see that all the time. People go, oh, no, really? Oh, they're dead disappointed. Um, but <laughs> yeah, delivering bad news is one of is one of the, the the harder bits of my of my job, you know. But but the fact that they know about it from me means they're not going to get spanked by the inland revenue or whatever because they, because I've just you know avoided. uh, I've just protected them from from making a horrendous mistake and costly one sort of thing. So it's better that they're they're disappointed now rather than in an awful lot of trouble six months down the line kind of thing. you know.
1: Hopefully you've managed to stay on board there. As I said throughout the show, there's probably spin-off shows for a number of the topics that we've touched on throughout the course of the chat. This was very much a cursory uh, introduction to the probate process. You can see there's lots of pitfalls, there's lots of complications, there's lots of clocks that are ticking. Um, There's lots of potential problems that maybe you didn't foresee, maybe you didn't expect that somebody who you're currently close to might find themselves slightly irked by your suggestions or your approach to things. And so it's very important that you can get some expert advice like, for example, Gina. So if people do want to pick your brains or they're going through this experience or, maybe if they're they're anticipating going through this experience very shortly, um, how can they get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, drop me an email on gina.stanton at johnsonandboone.co.uk. Give me a call on my direct phone here at the office, which is 0151 601 5399, or call our main number, um, and um, the, the, the team will put you through to me anyway. So lots of ways to get in touch, and of course through the app as well.
1: Indeed so uh, yeah <laughs> indeed so yeah as as Gina mentioned the app's free to download you can book an appointment with Gina there's a calendar option in there you just go and pick the time the day you can pick the member of the team who best suits the problem that you've got and like magic it all sorts itself out uh so hopefully you've enjoyed that gina thank you very much again it's been another fascinating one i'm, I'm i actually look forward to the next one that we have where we can delve into Brilliant. it because we all love a little bit of drama maybe power of attorneys that's uh that's, that, that's yeah, probably totally something good. that we we can touch on next time perhaps
2: yeah definitely let, let, let's have a dive into wonderful world of powers of attorney and incapacity that'll be that'll, that'll be entertaining
1: <laughs> if people like drama there'll be a lot more there oh, gonna
2: it. yes absolutely <laughs> court of protection and all that stuff yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you very much for joining us gina
0: pleasure mark no worries all right. talk to you again soon bye get social at johnson and boone on instagram facebook and twitter